Good morning and welcome to Radio Veritas. Today you are listening to me, Francis Correa, on the Jesuit Institute R. We have something slightly different lined up for this morning. We're going to be talking about the experience of making the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. This, as some of you may know, is the experience that is really at the heart of Jesuit spirituality. It is the dynamic that holds us, that inspires us, that really motivates us. It's the formative experience that we offer to those who become Jesuits, but also that those of us who've trained in the spirituality offer to anyone who wants to deepen their walk with Christ and to discover really at, at great depth what their personal vocation, their personal calling in life might be. At the Jesuit Institute, we offer two different ways of doing these spiritual exercises, and we're going to talk in some depth about both of them. But this moment in time is a good time to reflect on one of those ways. The one way is to do the exercises as a 30-day retreat. Um, so that's 30 days of silence in which the person who is making the exercises meets with a director once a day and is given material to pray with for the rest of the day. It's a very intensive program, and we've just finished uh, a 30-day retreat about a few weeks ago, and I have two of the people who made the exercises as retreatants who were willing to come and talk a little bit about their experience on the show with us. So we're going to turn now um, to Bev Hart, who made the exercises with us, and we're going to have a little bit of a conversation with her just about her experience to give you a feeling of what it is to, to do these exercises, to make them, to experience them, um, and maybe to inspire you also to, to want to do something like this with your own life. So, Bev, good morning. Morning, Francis. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Excellent. So you mm. shortly finished making the spiritual exercises. Yes. And I just I just wanted to ask you a little bit about how you found the experience, just in a broad way. Well, to use a word that's used in modern life, awesome. <laughs> it really was awesome, but in the in the true sense of awesome, in being awed by God and by how he works through those spiritual exercises that St. Ignatius gave us more than four hundred years ago and yet they still apply today. Wow, so it was, it was an awesome experience. So just tell yes. us a little bit about where you made them. I know that uh, it's the first time the Jesuit Institute has used the St. Lucia Retreat and Training yes. Centre as a venue. And just tell us a little bit about where you made them, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how the experience was. Well, the Retreat Centre is absolutely amazing. It's right on um, the St. Lucia Estuary. And so you look out over that magnificent creation. Also, the forest is 50 meters away from the retreat center. So you can walk 50 meters and be absolutely surrounded by trees and birds and little bucks and um, God's creation. So it was, it was the most perfect place to go for a 50-day retreat. Wow. And then yeah. just <laughs> it, it might be helpful just to talk a little bit about, about how you found the experience. You know, if you were, if you feel up to it, even to tell us maybe what might have been one or two highlights for you, as a person entering into this. Um, yes, I, I found that having a director every day was really wonderful because I would sometimes get stuck on myself, 
Mm-hmm. And she would say, you're focusing on yourself. Move your focus. Mm-hmm. And that made all the difference. Um, and then I had always kind of battled a little bit towards gospel concentration. I, it was a prayer method that really appealed to me. And the few times that I'd managed to really get into it, it had been very meaningful. And I found at this retreat, that was very, very meaningful. And I think what made it so meaningful was um, repetition. Uh-huh. Uh, being given two different passages to pray with and praying with each one and then having to repeat that twice. I found I would start off in my head and, you know, may, very much a head exercise for the first reading. And then by the time I got to the fourth, re- the third repeat, fourth yeah. repeat, <laughs> I, I was thinking, really, do I have to do this again? By then it was really dry. And then came the repeat with the application of senses. And suddenly... Everything opened up, and there were new insights and new discoveries, and it, it moved from head to heart. Uh-huh. And that, for me, was the most amazing thing about the retreat. And it just went on day after day after day, so it was wonderful. So there's a sense there of, of the rep- repetition, also of the experience of it being wonderful every day. Yes, yes. Look, there were times um, when the evil spirit came along, and I, there were times of desolation. But I was able to recognize what was happening and, mm-hmm. yeah, deal with it. So. <laughs> wow. And, I, I mean, I'm, yeah. just, I'm just struck as well, Bev, that there's a sense of, um, you know, some people, when you say you're going to make a 30-day retreat, you may have had this experience yourself, kind mm-hmm. of yes. when they hear that you're about to be in silence for 30 days, they sort of think, oh, my gosh, how could anyone do that? Or isn't that <laughs> yeah. reserved for, I don't know, monks and mystics? Yes, um, that's just, exactly the reaction I had when I told people I was going to do this. And, and yet, I mean, you, you're in, in many ways, you're an ordinary laywoman, uh, committed yes. Christian, but drawn to do this and, and found it worth doing. Oh, absolutely. The silence wasn't any problem at all. In fact, the first day of repose, when we were allowed to talk, I kind of didn't want to. Ah. Because, I, I don't know, it's just, there's such a special relationship with God and such a sense of being with him and being close to him that you don't want to break that. Right. So there was something really meaningful and, and it sounds quite deep in the, in the developing relationship with God that happened in the retreat. Yes, yes, very deep. And one of the, the main reasons I wanted to do um, the exercises was I, I had always understood sort of at head level what Jesus had done for me. But it, I've never really understood it emotionally or at heart level and I found that as I was going through the prayers God would bring to mind memories from my own life and emotions from my own life that helped me to understand exactly what was happening with Jesus at that moment in time and it really helped me to connect on a very very deep level that has become like a personal like my own memory it's become part of me wow yeah (laughs) so yes that's why I say it was awesome uh, I, I always remember um, I was taking someone through the exercises, a, a young Anglican minister, and mm. I remember him saying to me about midway through the second week, when just so our listeners know, when you're really praying the life of Jesus, mm. um, and I remember him saying to me, all my life I've been listening to people giving sermons about having a personal relationship with Jesus, and now and yeah. I've been giving sermons about having a personal relationship with Jesus. He said. And now I have one. Yes. 
that yes. you know now I now I know what I've been talking about. Exactly, I found that the use of the imagination was incredibly helpful for those hidden parts of Jesus' life, mm-hmm. and and being able to draw on my own um, knowledge of, of my grandchildren, for example. I, I had never realized that the wise men only found Jesus when he was almost two. Uh, that's the first time I ever realized it because all the postcards don't show that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just being able to realize that he was the age of my grandchild is right, right now and recognizing how when that gift of gold came, how delighted he would have been with it because it was shiny. <laughs> just moments, moments like that where, where imagination and my own experience were drawn upon to, to just help me understand mm-hmm. yeah, to, yeah. to kind of deeply engage well yes. Yes. so I, I presume I have a uh, I always have this kind of question when people have made the exercises and that's the question of would you advise others to think about doing this and why uh, absolutely <laughs> It is it is life changing. Um, people had said that to me before, and I have had a relationship with Jesus, with God, for for quite a long time. But this this it became a relationship of much greater depth, um, much greater understanding, much much more intimate, and and, and I'm changed. I'm completely changed. <laughs> wow. So yes, I think it, I think it is something that can well, it's worth doing for anybody. Wow. Well yeah. thank you very much for sharing with us and look forward oh, to thank you for the opportunity. Seeing you again soon. Yes. Okay. Thank, ah, you. thank you. God bless. Yeah. So there we were listening to Bev Hart, who's just made the 30-day retreat down at St. Lucia, talking a little bit about the experience. It's an extraordinary experience to make the exercises. One of my favorite um, descriptions of this kind of change in relationship with Jesus, the change with the relationship with the Lord, comes from an essay written by a Jesuit, Rob Marsh, about his experience of making the exercises. And again, he's talking about what in the Jesuit jargon is called the second week, but is really a time of of deeply praying the whole life of Jesus. And I'd like to just read you a little extract from Rob Marsh's work. He says, Who is Jesus to us as the week begins? We begin with a hypothetical king full of projects and a gauntlet of idealism is thrown down before us. Should we, could we ever follow him, share his knocks and live his dream? But a long week later, as Jesus goes to the cross, what dies is not just a dream or a project, it is my beloved. I'm not mourning my shattered hopes, my doomed calling. I'm mourning a man, a man I have come to love. At the start, he was all abstraction and hope and activity. But by the end, he is this man, a man I have come to know intimately. I've watched his birth and held his warm weight. I've been there as he's grown up and been made man before me. I've seen his struggle and loved his laughter. I've gazed at him and found him gazing back. I've heard my name on his lips. I've been drawn into his friendship. I've watched him work, I've labored with him, and suffered with him.
I've discovered that I need him and been sweetly shocked that he needs me too. To repeat my first puzzle, how can his death mean so much to me now when a week ago he was just God? Something has happened. I have fallen in love. It isn't the particulars. Isn't it the particulars we fall in love with? The shape of that nose, the way he works with fish, the look in his eye, the things he can say to move me, the fire in his heart, the little hurts that bruise him. I think that Ignatius knew this only too well. I love this passage from Rob Marsh's essay. It, for me, really gets across the sense of Jesus' invitation to intimate friendship, to intimacy, to relationship, that is is kind of beyond the the more distant image of God that we possibly sit with, the kind of the God that we adore, but who is at a little bit of a distance. The spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius, in some way in their second week, draw us into this deep friendship, into a real companionship with Jesus Christ, invite us to discover him as a person for ourselves, to, to discover an intimate relationship with him. And in that discovery to be vulnerable, we need to be vulnerable, and he is vulnerable. It's that giving and taking of vulnerability that for me is so precious about the prayer of the exercises. So given that the exercises um, are very much a time of, of, of silence, of interior prayer, of, of, of really grappling with that, what I'd like to do now is just invite you to listen to a piece of music. It is by Margaret Ritzer, but it's just instrumental. Um, and she's written for contemplative worship, for meditation. It's from her uh, CD, The Fountain of Life. And it's the piece, You Are the Center. And I want you just to have a sense of letting the the silence in the music speak to your heart.
So you're listening to the Jesuit Institute Hour on Radio Veritas. And this morning I'm chatting to some of the people who've made the spiritual exercises with the Jesuit Institute recently as a 30-day retreat. We were just chatting before the music with Bev Hart. And now we have Morongoa Selepe on the line with us, who is a, a young woman from Timbisa, who's also just made the exercises as a 30-day retreat. Morongoa, good morning. Good morning, Francis. How are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. So, just as a kind of opening question, you're back from the exercises, from 30 days of silence. How are you feeling? Um, overwhelmed a bit. Uh-huh. Um, it, it really was a, not really a struggle, but I had to get my mind and my being and um, into settling back into home and work and the noise and just just being here, just being back to life, if I can put it like that. Right, so there was there was a real need to transition back into normal life after 30 yes. days of silence. Yes. And, and how was the retreat? How did you find the experience, Morongoa? Um, the experience was, was, was very life-changing, especially for me it was um, on love. As, as, a, as a young woman or as a girl growing up, um, I'm told about God, or I'm told that I, I must love God and God loves me. But up until the 30 days uh, retreat, that hadn't been a, a felt sense, uh, an experience for me, which at the retreat it really was um, that experience of God really loving me and me being made in His image and His likeness. Wow. So it sounds like it was very profound for you, Morongo. Yeah. Wow, well, thank you for sharing that. Um, do you want to tell, uh, so the listeners have heard a little bit of what the retreat might be like, but they've heard it from the point of view of someone who's a grandmother. Um, yeah, okay. And you're not a grandmother, you're a young, you're a young woman from Timbisa, um, yeah. not, a young, not, a, not a grandmother. Just give us a little sense of, of how the retreat was, of, of what happened to you, of how you experienced it, just kind of the, the shape of the retreat, if you like. Um, okay, maybe just before I go to that, just to say that uh, before before making the retreat, I I had these ideas or these misconceptions about the spiritual exercises where I thought um, all the people close to the end of their lives um, or the clergy or the religious, you know, it, it's for them to help them with reflection and making decisions and all of that. Uh-huh. So for the longest time, I thought... Uh, me being a 30-year-old, uh, it wasn't the right time or the right age to be making the exercises. But um, after that, I totally, totally um, have a different, uh, a different perspective to, to that. Or now my misconceptions have been rectified. Okay, so, so now you think the, that being yeah. a 30-year-old was just the right time yes, to make the exercises. Yes, the right time, yes, yes. And the fact that you're like, not a priest or not a nun doesn't matter. Yes, yes. Ah. And I, I feel like um, my life can now begin. Well, my life has been going on, you know, ever since birth. But the, the sense of now life, life in God, um, life in love can really begin. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that sounds actually that sounds that sounds both amazing, and I have to say, it, it reminds me of when I made the exercises myself. I also I remember saying. I remember saying before then, I kept saying to people, when is my real life going to start? And then 
after a particular moment in the exercise, it was like, oh, this is what real life looks like. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember at the at the beginning of the at the beginning at the beginning of the thirty days, mm-hmm. I would tell my my director that um, I feel the sense of God inviting me to a new life, God inviting me to new beginnings, God inviting me to a newness about my life. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere in the retreat, I came back and I said. No, actually, it is it is an invitation to a new life, but it's actually a new life within my old life, where when I come out of this experience, I'm not going to find a, a perfect life that is waiting for me, but I'm going to go back to, to my life, go back to my work, go back to my friends, go back to my ministry, go back to life as I knew it before. But it's, a, it's that invitation to go back with the newness, even in that, that old... Um, life of mine. So there wasn't a, a new life that was waiting for me, but the the, the newness was in me mm-hmm. in how I, you know, begin to live or continue to live out this, this newness that I feel invited to. Mm. It sounds like, it sounds really like a, a, a radical experience inside of you. Yes, yes. Mm. So, won't you also tell us just a little bit about where you made the retreat and, and what it was like and uh, if you liked it or not, the, the kind of the environment and and the setup and the silence and the days of repose and all those things? Okay, um, I made the, the 30-day retreat in St. Lucia, uh, retreat and training center, which mm-hmm. is right at, um, I always said it's right at the, like where the tourists go and where nature is and and all of that. And for me, going into an environment like that where there's trees and there's quietness, there's the estuary, there's all these animals around us, it really was a... I mean, I'm, I was I was born and raised in, in Timbisa, which is a township, and which is very busy. I live right next to a, a busy road, which is in Rumapeto. It's, you know, taxis and traffic and all of that. And it's always hooting nonstop, like throughout the day. So being at St. Lucia in that quiet, nice nature. Oh, and another thing, uh, before I went to the retreat, I always said, I'm not a nature person. I wouldn't just go to the zoo and just go look at nature and animals and just, you know, be in nature and uh, find God or feel God or anything like that. I wouldn't do that because that was outside of my... I don't know, that was outside of my... Experience? Um, yeah, outside of my... That. Um, so, but being there, um, it really was... I remember I would wake up every morning and look at... Uh, there was an image just behind the, the retreat center where I could see... Um, the Was it the lake or the sea? I could see water. I think it was the lake. No, it was the estuary. Yes. Where the weeds... You know the weeds in the water, you would see the, the weeds and you, I would see the flow of the river just flowing in one direction. And I would go there every day just to make sure that the flow was in one direction every time. Uh-huh. And I thought God was trying to tell me something with this, this image of the estuary and the weeds and the flow of the water and, and all of that. And eventually I got it that, you know, the, for me I said the flow... Uh, represents the the presence of God in my life, where sometimes the the wind, you know, would make the flow quite heavy and quite fast. Mm-hmm. 
but then sometimes the 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 flow would be silent and still, and uh, I wouldn't really see the the flow. But I thought that symbolizes exactly how how God has been present in my life and how God is present in my life. Where there are moments where I really feel that He's with me, and there are moments where I really feel that you know He could be maybe not with me or looking away from me or you know distant, but. For me, that image, even thinking about it now, just yeah, takes me back to, to the experience of, of the retreat. And, so and another thing that I yeah, another thing that I enjoyed was uh, like mass every day and adoration every day. Mm-hmm. Now adoration every day. Um, the homilies by we had a um, we had Father Jero who was I think supervising the. The, the director was giving the retreat to us. Mm-hmm. And there was a way in how he, you know, when he did his homily like daily, you would find a link to the gospel that day to where we are with the exercises. Mm-hmm. And there would be like such a nice link to that. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that stood up for, or two things, no, two things like that. The first thing was that he said, um, three drunk friends walking out of a, a brothel or a tavern or whatever at 3 a.m. in the morning, very happy and giggling and not in consolation. Ah. And that just that just stayed with me. And I thought, ah, oh, you know, it, it looks happy. It looks, I mean, they're laughing. It looks happy, but it, deep down, it really isn't. Ah. And then the second thing that he said that really stayed with me was that the will of God for our lives is not... Um, Static. It's not a destination that we can reach and go to and say, ah, this I feel I've got it and I'm, I'm set. This is it. I've figured it out. But it's actually a, a dynamic thing where it changes, you know, it changes over time and it's a process. So instead of using the term the will of God, let us rather use uh, God's desires and dreams for me. And I've used that since and it just. It, it, it makes more sense than, you know, using the term the wheel, mm-hmm. which is more like a, a like sec- a place to get at. Right. Yeah. Wow. So it's kind of, it sounds like all of that together was just very powerful. The, the experience yes, was, of nature, the experience of daily mass and the adoration, the homilies, everything just came everything together. Is, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's yeah. been... And the, and the, Oh, sorry. No, no, carry on. The, um, the, the repose days. It was amazing how all of us were in silence, but when the repose days came, you know, it was like we, we were in conversation with each other all the time because we could speak about something and we would all relate mm-hmm. to that one thing. And we were, like, we, we came from different backgrounds and we were so different, but in a way we... I don't know how to say this, but in a way we, we clicked and we, yeah, we, we gelled together. You know, a young person would say, we, we just gelled. So it, it was like that. It, was, it, it really was a special time. And, and you kind of, you're making the point here that you hadn't had much time to talk to each other. You had two days no, in, in no, the 30 yeah, days just, when you could yeah. talk. And you yeah. were in silence all this time. And then when you could yeah. talk, you and just went, gelled. Yeah, you know, we just, we just gelled and it just, and we would laugh, and we would, yeah, it, it was special. Oh, that sounds, it sounds amazing. I, I saw a photograph of you from when you were on the retreat. 
um, when you went for the little um, boat ride up the river. Oh, yes. And, a photo- <laughs> and the photograph, that the, whoever took the photograph, when they sent it to me, you, you, you're sitting, and behind you we can see a crocodile. Oh, yes. And someone kept saying, oh, it's going it's to come and eat you. So I'm looking <laughs> at the picture, and I'm thinking, what if it jumps up on me and it eats me up? Oh, yeah. That was the first repose, the, the first repose day that we had. Uh-huh. We went for a boat ride, and we saw hippos, and we saw crocodiles, and all these birds. And you know, am I talking too much? No, no, this you is know, lovely. Another thing, another thing that now I'm thinking of, come, you know, when I'm mentioning the, the hippos, is that I think at the first days of the, of the retreat, um, I looked at reading about you know, God sustaining, God sustaining nature, God sustaining, um, sustaining life, and all of that, and felt an invitation from God to, to me, to just let me, or let Him sustain me. Mm-hmm. And then I thought of the hippos, of how the hippos were. You know, when we got there, we were told, oh, the hippos come out at night, and then in the, during the day they are in the water there, and you know, there's no way that they're going to come and they're going to come and like in. In the day, they're going to come out. And mm-hmm. I just thought how, you know, God really sustained nature. God really sustained life. And how this animal, you know, even with how it lives, you know, there's, there's, there's God in there where he fashioned it like that, that it would stay off <laughs> during the day and at night it would come off. And I kept asking my director, doesn't it happen that Maybe one day the hippos come out at, at you know at during the day thinking it's thinking it's night and all of that and you just said no Moronga that's your that's your imagination running wild with you so I just you know again that God God is in control God is and God is everywhere and God sustains you know like a gardener who, who knows exactly what's in his in his garden and what the plants in his garden need to, to be able to grow and to be able to to, to produce the fruit. So it, it, it's like that for me where, I mean, yeah, God is, you know, God is, yeah, God is in control. He's forever working. His hands are dirty in the garden. And, you know, even, you know, me being a part of that garden, he knows exactly what I need, exactly what, you know, when, how, and, and why. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll keep. Going. No, no, this is this is good stuff, and I'm just. So yeah, it's 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 bad, you know. It's, so there's yeah, a... but the, the the one thing that um that you know the I I even said to my director the love thing, mm-hmm. um the love thing in my life, and not really just love in terms of um love of a um like boyfriend and girlfriend or sexual kind of, but just you know love. Mm-hmm. I think I misunderstood what re- what love really was, or I had expectations from love, or you know. But the one thing that kept coming up for me was the last thing was love, where you know, love for self, love for how God made me, love for my qualities, love for you know how I am, mm-hmm. and love for other people as well, love for people at work that I often quarrel with, you know, just re- reminding myself that these people are made in the image and the likeness of God. And as much as God loves me, he loves them too. You know, love for friends where, you know, I think, you know, these friends are not checking up on me, but why am I not checking up on them? You know, love for ministry where, 
you just you just give, give, you know, give your talents, give your abilities, and just give off yourself to you know to this love thing. Oh, so this this idea of love just has grown much much bigger in your in yourself and in your yes, in your understanding. Yes, but it also sounds yes. like like it's a dynamism, like it's a a thing that propels you into the world. Yeah. Especially love for self. You know, as a as a, as a teenage girl um, growing up, where, you know, there's issues about your weight, issues about your image, issues mm-hmm. about um, your community where you grew up from, and you think those things determine, you know, I thought those things determined me and those things um, would limit me in some way. But no, you know, I should embrace that and just, come out of that and not really think these things are limitations, but these things are actually a part of my faith history. And in those things, you know, um, was able to find God and was able to move and be able to experience that God loves me even with those um, issues that I've placed on myself or limitations that I've placed on myself. And God really doesn't look at that, you know, doesn't really focus on that as much as I as much as I do, or as much as I do, but to, you know, focus on other things that are positive, that are, that are life-giving. So it sounds like the retreat was also a very healing space for you. Yes, kind of it Healing was. your sense of self and, and yeah, being was. loved into God loving you so much that you feel loved. Yeah, it was. Wow. It was. Um, especially the, you know, the... Let me just think the um, um, the contemplation of the incarnation. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. So, so let me just tell our listeners. Just let's just unpack what that is for a moment, in case someone's oh, listening okay. and doesn't know what it is. So, this is a moment in the exercises where we imagine looking down at the world with the Trinity, and they're making the choice to send Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, to come. And to become incarnate, to be to become one of us. So, just tell us a little bit about your experience of praying that meditation. Oh yeah, that was at the, the first time I just imagined the Trinity um, looking at the world. And mm-hmm. when I had to do the repetition, I actually was, you know, when the Trinity looks at the world, I was in the world being looked at, mm-hmm. but not just looked at, but I was looked at with love. So it's that whole point of, you know, love manifesting itself in actions and not just a love that is passive and just feeling there and disengaged from the world or disengaged from people and things. But it was, you know, where I felt that, you know, this, these, these people love me, the Trinity love me. And it's not, a, it's not something that um, my, my parish priest was preaching about that he told me and I believed or I wanted to believe. Or I thought, but it was it was a self. You know, I it's like I know I know it is. It's not just like I know this for sure that I am loved. And for them to actually send the second person in the Trinity, you know, it just yeah, man, this love thing. It just you know, it just tells me or it just affirms that you know I am loved mm. as I am. I am loved. Oh. So that for me, it was it was. I think it was powerful. You know, I imagine, I'm not sure if you've seen the movie Twilight. The Twilight. No, I haven't. With the vampires and the werewolves. But the, the vampires are actually nice people. They don't eat 
guilty for, for blood and all of that. So I, I, I imagine there's a, um, there's a body of vampires that, um, that governs the other vampires. So I imagine the Trinity, like that body where it's called the Votary, and they are standing there with their, their nice garments, their nice, um, and they're just, you know, looking at the world and with love, you know, just not just looking at the world, but looking at the world and me in the world. With, with love and really like care where you know we want to we want to help more or we want to yeah we want to help her right. and not help her because she's helpless and she can't like do things for herself but really help her because we love her oh. so it's this kind of very affirming love this love that, that it, sees it you for it who is, you it, are yeah it's it's it's, it's and like I said, it's different from you know, be, you know, as a child, you're told that God loves you, God, you know, God is this, God is that, and you grow up with that. Where I know that God loves me, or God should love me, but you know, it's, it's not for me. It hadn't been convincing. It hadn't been, it hadn't been felt. It hadn't been, yeah, it hadn't been convincing. But, but after this experience, it was, it was different. Mm, wow. Child is different. It's really different. Wow. So, Morongo, this just sounds like, I mean, as I listen to you, some of what I'm hearing and, and even your imagery, it, it's very much that of a young person. I, I'm yes. very struck by, by what you said right at the beginning, that you had initially thought, oh, these exercises, they're for older people or for wise people or for religious and then the sense of God showing you this is for you, Morongoa. This is for someone yeah. like you. And I just wonder, is there anything you would say to, to young people in their 20s, 30s who might be vaguely thinking about making the exercises who, who, or maybe have never thought about this, something that you might want to say to them to inspire them? Um, I mean, what you've been saying has been inspiring, but a kind of a closing thought. Um, go for it. Um Young people, let us not be afraid to be in the presence of God. Let us not be afraid to experience God. You know how we often shy away from the good, shy away from something that is great. And it was that for me where I was shying away from that. But as, as young people, let us like let us let us go out and want to to be good for God or to be the best for God and to accept His His, his, his call to to. to Service, his call to, to ministry or his call to whatever, but let's let's just go for it. it you know, it's, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. It's, it'll it'll change you. Wow. It'll change you. It'll strengthen how how you see God and how God sees you, or how you feel God sees you. Wow, that's this is powerful stuff you've been talking about, Morongo. Thank you very much for sharing some of the depth of your retreat experience with us. And, uh, Thank you. It's my pleasure. Oh, and I look forward to seeing you again soon. God yes. bless. Thank you, Pantu. Good day. Okay. Bye. Bye. Listen to, listening to Morangoa Salepe, and she's been talking to us about the experience of making the 30-day retreat, of making the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. And I just, I loved listening to her. I loved the the contrast. I hadn't actually spoken to her or Bev before I interviewed them about the differences in the experience, but could you hear them as you listen to them? You know, Bev was very much the older, you know, she said she's a grandmother, she's an older woman, 
she's kind of more reflective. She's talking about the deepening of the relationship with Jesus. It was, it was, it was the kind of stuff you expect of an older, mature Christian to be saying. But then when Morango was speaking, I was just so struck by her passion and her vitality and that sense of God loving her and, and her focus on love. And she just sounded so full of passion and excitement and, and a real sense of, of healing some of that stuff that she carried as a young woman out of being a teenager. I just, I loved the way she spoke about that. For me, it was very inspiring. It, and it, it did remind me also of when I made the exercises myself now about 20 years ago. But it was just a lovely, lovely experience, a, a deep experience of being rooted in that love of Christ. And on that note, I'd like us to move again to a, a piece of music that I think echoes some of this. So again, we're going to listen to Margaret Ritzer, and this is her piece, Silent Surrendered.
So you're listening to the Jesuit Institute Hour here on Radio Veritas. And this morning we've just been chatting to two people, both of whom have made recently the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola as a 30-day retreat. So this is, as I said right at the beginning, really at the heart of Ignatian or Jesuit spirituality. When we, when we look at what forms people like Pope Francis um, or perhaps some of the Jesuits you may have met or even some of the other congregations, the Combonis, the Notre Dame sisters, there are very many of the congregations would at some point or other in their formation make the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. It's, it's this kind of intensive process of prayer, of reflection. And it really is something that in recent years uh, the church has been offering to lay people. It is true that if we went back a 100 years or so, the only people who would have made the exercises would have been priests and religious. But in the modern era, especially since Vatican II, more and more lay people have been making it and more and more people from different faiths and backgrounds. I, I, I was once very surprised. I was listening to a talk by a Methodist minister, and in the middle of the talk, he quoted a um, Baptist theologian from the States, Dallas Willard, and he quoted Dallas Willard as saying, you know, the most formative experience um, that, that he, Dallas Willard, knew of in Christian spirituality were the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. And I found myself thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, how amazing is that? There you have a Methodist quoting a Baptist talking about the spiritual exercises. And and thinking, wow, these really are a gift to the whole church. And what Morangoa was saying, that they are a gift to lay people as well, that, that we are all invited into this depth of relationship with God, this depth of friendship with Jesus. So every two years or so, the Jesuit Institute offers the spiritual exercises as a 30-day silent individually directed retreat and we've been delighted to discover the St. Lucia retreat and training center which really just the whole environment is conducive to that kind of long retreat you you heard Bev saying you just walk out the front gate and you find yourself in the forest and surrounded by animals and you can hear the birds see the bird life and all of that but for many of us it's impossible to take the time or even find the money or find a sponsor to give us the money to to take the time to go on that kind of long retreat. And that was true even in the time of St. Ignatius. There's a, there's a lovely story about how there was a person who was an administrator um, in the time of Ignatius, back in the Middle Ages, late Middle Ages, and he was discerning, wondering whether he was called to be a priest or whether he was called to stay in his current position or what he was going to do with his life. And he came to talk to Ignatius, and Ignatius agreed to take him through the exercises. And up until that point, everyone who'd made the exercises had, had made them in silence, in an enclosed way, in a kind of very monastic way, just like Morongo and Bev just did. But... Ignatius could see that this was impossible for this particular man. And so they came to an agreement where he would pray each day and meet Ignatius regularly, but he would carry on with his work and his responsibilities. He just carved out some time each day to really pray at depth. And from that was born this idea of giving the exercises in daily life. And all the time, 
those of us who work in the Institute and many of those whom we've trained as directors, at any given time, you will discover that there are a whole group of people making the exercises in this way in daily life. Um, and it's a, it's a wonderful way. It's the same exercises that Morongo and Bev just made. It's the same material. You pray through the same material. But the difference is that instead of having maybe five hours of prayer a day and meeting with the director every day, you meet with the director once a week, once every 10 days or so, and you pray for about an hour a day. And in this way, you, you make the exercises over the period of six months to a year. And if this should appeal to you in any way, if this sort of feels like something, as you've been listening to these two talking about their experience of making the exercises, if something in this appeals to you, if you kind of feel like, I really want to do something like this, I want to do something that feeds me at depth, then I encourage you to contact us and to talk to us about maybe making the exercises or going into direction or when we offer the 30-day retreat again, looking at doing that. Um, and you can Google us at www.jesuitinstitute.org.za and you can just just see how that thing, how that feels to you. Or you can write to us if you write to us uh, at retreats at jesuitinstitute.org.za just say I'm interested in making the spiritual exercises and we can think about how we might help you to do that. So that's a, a sort of invitation out there. And just to remind you, you know, what Morongoa said, that these exercises, they're not just for those who are called to religious life. They really are for people who want to deepen their relationship with God. And, you know, in the in the group of people we had making the exercises now, there were some clergy, there were some religious, but there were a lot of lay people. And, and that's a good thing. It's good to, to really give ourselves space and time as lay people to, to take our faith seriously, to allow God to speak in our hearts, to allow ourselves to deepen in faith in hope and in love. So as we come towards the end of today's show, I invite you to just take a moment or two. I thought it might be it might be an idea perhaps for us to end today's show with that meditation that uh Morongo was talking about. And so I invite you if you can, if you are able to close your eyes at the moment, you can do that and if you want to leave them open because you're driving the car, so be it. But just imagine your own situation your home, your work, your schooling, your studying, what makes up your life? And imagine the Trinity looking at your life, looking at you in your life. And the Trinity really really pouring their love on you. Imagine yourself just feeling their unconditional love surrounding you, surrounding all the people that you know, the places that you know. they gaze at you and at the situation you find yourself in, 
There will be many things that are broken, that are wounded, that are sinful, that are unsatisfying. And imagine their compassionate gaze, looking at everything in your life that is, that is broken. And into that brokenness, they send Jesus. Into that brokenness, Jesus desires to come. To come to be with you, to find you, to be one with you. To draw you back into the depth of love that is the life of the Trinity. Feel Jesus' loving presence coming to be with you. And what does that stir up in your own heart? What response does that elicit from your own heart? And so on that note, I invite you to go through today living your day with a heightened awareness of the love of the Trinity, the gaze of the Trinity, and the desire to be with you of Jesus, with you in every moment as your day unfolds. And I hope to meet you again next week at the same time. God bless.